Hey everyone, and welcome back to Serial Killers Cafe. I'm your host, Stephanie, here with my co-host, Ariel. Hello, friends. And we are super sorry for our constant hiatuses, guys. We've just been so busy, but we're so excited to be back. We have a lot of exciting new things um, in our repertoire of um, this podcast, and we're just really excited to share that. So we're super excited to be back. Um, we know we say every time we'll be better. Just, you know, at this point, we, we've, we've accepted that we're not great at being better. <laughs> Um, and so that's why we've gone on a monthly cadence of getting guys an episode once a month because we still want to bring content, but also want to stop sounding so flaky. <laughs> and we're also still not super great at that, but we are 100% trying. I promise. And you know what? Like, like I feel like that's all you can do these days, right? Like we're still really in a pandemic <laughs> and life is just nuts. So um, anyway, yeah, we think we moved like a thousand miles away. My life is falling apart per use. So like we are going to get our shit together. I promise. It might be in 2023, we but so we're going to slowly work on. towards yeah. it until then. <laughs> um, but seriously, we, we thank you. I mean, we see like, you know, our new follows on Facebook and Instagram, and we really appreciate that you guys are still sticking with us, even though we are complete hot messes. Um, yes. Hopefully you are also hot messes, and that's why you enjoy us so much. So um, right. just know, again, we, we really do appreciate, you know, your loyalty to us, even in our time of... I don't even know the word. Is that our life? I don't even know. Um, just in our time of trying to get our, our shit together, basically. Um, yeah. So anyway, yes, thank you. We very much appreciate that. Um, yeah. So uh, today, Ariel is going to be reading to us about a serial killer. And I actually have not read the script. I have no idea who this guy is. So I'm, I'm basically giving some real-time responses um, to this uh serial killer i'm really excited because i kind of i'm loving like the suspense i'm offering myself right now <laughs> you're way too excited first of all calm down way too <laughs> um you're also so, the first human i've talked to in a long time probably that's not my clearly. children so clearly <laughs> <laughs> uh, well so currently i am using my new cold brew like coffee maker thing that I got on a buy nothing site. And I don't know if this is like a thing everywhere, if it's just where I live, but people just like have crap they don't want and they post it for free. Like every, it has to be free, can't pay for anything. So obviously I was like, yes, I need more junk and ways to make coffee. So trying that out for the first time. Um, it's okay. I feel like it's just easier to go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a nice coffee though. What'd you say? That, did you say this is an espresso? No, it's cold brew. Cold brew, cold brew. Yeah, I... Yeah, but, like, you have to let it sit overnight and shit. I'm like, uh... Yeah, patience is not our virtue, guys. It's just not who we no. are. To and, like, I have a one-year-old. You know what? You got time to be letting coffee sit for 24 hours? She needs eight cups in 24 hours. Like, this is... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so I... So, like, it tastes good, but, meh, I really know. Worth it? Not that much. I think if you get a better system, eventually, uh, it might be worth it. What? What are you drinking? Oh, um, yes. Yeah, so I actually recently went to Starbucks, guys, and I tried this like shaken almond milk espresso chocolate thing. It was freaking delicious, but I was like, I'm not paying $80 for this every single day, <laughs> nor right. is there a Starbucks in the close to me. So I Googled it and was like, I wonder if I can make this at home. 
And I figured out a way to make it at home because I have an espresso. So I literally, Starbucks has their own like Nespresso pods that you can buy that fit in your machine, but they're like Starbucks brand coffee. And so I make myself this like shaken almond milk chocolate espresso. It's not as good as Starbucks, but it does save me a shit ton of money. <laughs> number one. Right. And number two, I'm hoping that as I, as time goes on, I will continue to figure out how to like get better at making it. Like maybe I just need to tweak something I haven't realized is there. Side note, if any of you are Starbucks baristas and want to give me the true inside scoop, I would greatly appreciate it because <laughs> I just went by what I found on Google and I'm not sure how legit it was. Um, but anyway, so it's like a shaken chocolate almond milk espresso and it's freaking delicious. Um, and I use my espresso for it. And if you want my half-ass recipe, please let me know. I'll be happy to share. <laughs> so I love it. Well, good for you. That's like way more effort than I'm ever willing to put into it. But I'm more of a drive through kind of person and not Starbucks because F that shit. It's expensive. It's yeah. yeah. Well, no and the thing is, I don't think I could drink their coffee. Like I like their drinks, but I could never just drink uh, plain coffee yeah. from Starbucks. Right, right. Like it'd have to be, it'd have to have like a mix of, like I like their Frappuccinos, but those are like not even coffee. It's like literally just Correct. calories. So and it's delicious. So I'm like, whatever. Um, but I also think too, you have a one-year-old. So like anything that's extra effort is just, you don't have the time for that. And you're still the one-year-old that doesn't sleep. By the way, guys, Ariel's baby still does not sleep. He's <laughs> wondering, still not sleeping. Um, yeah, it's uh, fantastic. Whereas my children like to offer to make my coffee for me because they find the machine fun. So like eventually you'll get to that point in your life where your kids are like, There's I'll make it for you. at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. At least if you get no sleep, but they're making you coffee. I feel like that's a solid trade off. Yeah, I can handle that. Yeah. That, that would work. For sure. Um, all right. So let's get into the lipstick killer. So this guy is interesting for a number of reasons. The main one being that I'm pretty sure he's innocent, as are many other people. Plot twist. However, yeah, but he's, um, well, he's dead now, but he was the longest serving inmate in the United States. He spent like 65 consecutive years in prison um, for the crimes that I'm going to talk about. Whoa. But it kind of just seems like... He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the cops were desperate to find a person who was doing the killings. They were like, yeah, you'll do, whatevs. So, it's, I know, it's kind of sad. So, I mean, sort of, we'll get into it. Okay, so his real name is William Herons. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, everyone called him Bill. So he was actually born in Chicago in 1928. So, his parents were fairly poor his entire life. His dad did own a flower shop, but it just didn't really bring in a ton of money. So his parents did fight a lot about finances. And this seems to be like a very sore subject for our friend Bill. How sad so is it that people so are still fighting about the same thing? Finances. Literally. Like, nothing like, has I changed and every- shit's way more money now. <laughs> With way Correct. less like money being made. So yeah, good to know exactly. that in the 1920s, we're still having the same issues that we are. Yep. <laughs> um, so I guess the slight difference is that um, in this time, there wasn't, you know, like child labor laws. So when Bill was 11, he got a job delivering groceries. So along with the delivering groceries, he basically just tried to spend a lot of time like not in his house because his parents were always fighting, like I said, about money. And it did say in a couple of articles and one of the documentaries I watched that they had hopes of having a big family, 
However, I couldn't find anything about like actual siblings or if they ever got that big family. They did ultimately divorce, but I don't know how far along they got with the baby making thing. Interesting. So, but they both dream of having a big family. So I think they kind of just stayed together for that purpose. And because obviously they couldn't even afford to live together, never mind apart. Um, so, like I said, he got the job delivering groceries to kind of just help with his parents' expenses. Um, but this job is kind of what led him to his life of crime. Oh, okay. The grocery store? Yeah. Well, the delivering groceries to people. Because think about it like, if you can pay someone to deliver your groceries, you have a little bit more money than the average person, a little bit more money than his family. Um, so he essentially was going to these people's houses that maybe they weren't rich, but they had a little more than he did. Um, and he kind of just started burglarizing their houses. Okay. And I it started it. out with like little things. Um, he would just like see a dollar bill on the table and grab it. So small, or, like petty, you know, something petty that he thought he could sell. Right, right. Like nothing crazy. Um, and he's actually quoted saying that burglary actually became his outlet for his anxiety. And of course, when he did get things from people's houses that he could sell, that was more money that he could bring home to help his parents. Oh, so good point. Good point. Like, I don't want to say it was, like, okay that he was doing this, but I kind of understand why. Um, So a couple years later, Bill is now 13, and he actually is arrested because he is found um, carrying a loaded gun, and it's actually a gun that he had stolen from one of the homes he delivered groceries to. So he gets brought home by the police, and he's a minor, so they ask his parents if they can search the house and see if there's anything else that's been reported missing in the area. Um, Basically, at this time, Bill is like, you caught me, and he confessed to a bunch of burglaries, and he gets sent to, um, I think it's pronounced Gibalt School. It's French, I probably butchered that, but it's basically another one of those like reform schools. It's a wayward boys for wayward school no what is it yeah wayward wayward school for boys is that right yeah I yeah believe something so. like that yeah um so just like a reform school kind of thing and he goes there for a few months but so here's the funny thing is while he's there he actually does fantastic um he just totally excels in the school I think a big part of it was the fact that it was so structured. I was going to say, I feel like that would, if he probably had like no stress, he was able to just focus on school and not like uh, beating his family and trying to make a living and trying to make sure he had a roof over his head and that like his parents like wouldn't kill him for not contributing. I feel like this is right. It's in situations like that. It's like some people who do come from like a harder home, like thrive in those situations where like, like. I was watching a show the other day and they said something about people don't understand the privilege of just being able to go to school and worry about school. Oh, you know what it was? My daughter's watching Make It or Break It, guys. It's like a really old (laughs) show from ABC Family, now Freeform or whatever. And there's that this one gymnast in the show who basically has to have a job to like pay for everything. And she always tells the other girls, like, you don't understand what it's like. All you have to think about is gymnastics. And I have to think about everything Uh else. So... Um, I feel like it's a situation like that where like that structure makes a big difference because it gives them the opportunity like you're forced to only focus on where you are because you can't do anything else. Right. That's just so heartbreaking that there is any child out there that has to even think about this kind of shit. Like I just can't even imagine. Um, And essentially he says that. 
he says the structure at school made him feel less anxious. I'm like, he didn't have to steal things. So the downfall, though, is basically as soon as he's released, he starts doing the burglarizing thing again. Does it say why? um, Because he just went back to the same old thing. Like his parents were still not getting along. They still had money problems. It was just his, you know, his way to get his anxiety out and to help provide for himself and his family. Um, Gotcha. Okay. So, okay. I wasn't sure that makes sense. um, So he gets released, goes back to the... Oh, what? Say that That sucks though, but... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it totally sucks. Um, So he actually gets arrested again for burglary. And he goes to what's called the St. Bede Academy, which I think is a very similar thing where he's actually living at the school, their structure, all that good stuff. And once again, he's an exceptional student. Um, the teachers like really liked him. He had friends. Um, no one ever suspected that he was like a troublemaker. Um, and then while he's there, he actually gets accepted to the University of Chicago because they had this like special program for gifted kids where you could go to um, college a year early, which like they have now, a friend of mine actually did that. Like her senior year of high school, she was a freshman in college too. Yeah, Um, that's actually really common now. A lot of um, schools, like even schools in the area where we live now, um, offer like programs in college. By the time you leave, you like already have an associate's degree. Which yeah, I think is awesome because right. it's like then you're focusing on like I don't need to take English for 15 years if I've already oh, taken it seriously. since birth, basically. Right. You know, um, yeah. so I feel like that's it's really beneficial, I think, to students for sure. Um, so basically at 16, he starts going to the school. Um, the downfall, though, is in order to save money here, we're back at the money thing. Uh, he lived at home. But he didn't have any kind of transportation, so he was at the mercy of his dad's work schedule, whether or not he could get a ride uh, to school. So because of this, he lost that structure that he so clearly needs. And unfortunately, he got back into the stealing thing. Um, So he stole for the anxiety, the lack of structure, and also to get money. Right. Um, So... When So he's still in school. He's about 17 at this point. He's doing the gifted thing, but he's definitely struggling. Uh, he is actually dating this girl from school, and he has a date plan, but he needs money for the date. So he's like, no problem. I have savings bonds. I'm going to go and cash them. Well, he goes to cash them and um, finds out that the place he wants to go to is closed. He can't cash them, so he has no money, all right? So... Which it was weird because he could do that at the post office. Can you do that here? I've only ever cashed savings bonds at a bank. You could, but like saving bonds were much more common then. So they're, yeah, they're all, right. and you also like, I don't know, do post office still have ridiculous hours then as they do now? Like you can go Probably. from like 12 to 1 p.m. <laughs> once a week and that's the only time you can mail. Just kidding, guys. Right. Uh, for postal workers, I know you work very hard, but yeah, um, I oh my god, so hard. I, I know that there's so- very specific um, like hours and requirements, but I feel like I feel like there actually would have been more options then because saving bonds were way more common in the 1920s than they are now. Like, yeah. you don't generally get saving bonds now, but I feel like that was a common gift or way to right. save your money or I something. used to get them all the time when I was younger. My aunt gave me one every year for my birthday. I mean, they never actually matured to anything, but that's besides the point. Um, okay, well, so he at the time that he's trying to cash these in, he actually has a gun on him, 
which I don't know if he just made this a habit to carry the gun. I'm not really sure. But so he, of course, decides that he's going to go steal stuff and money so that he can take his girlfriend out on a date. True so love, man. True there's love. an apartment building. What? I said true love, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So um, there's an apartment building nearby that he has actually stolen from many times. He's seen going into the apartment building and apparently someone like just thought he looked suspicious. They called the cops. Cops show up. Now, this next part is kind of, there's two very conflicting stories. If you talk to the cops, they'll tell you that he held up his weapon and he threatened to shoot them. The only reason he didn't is because the gun got jammed. If you talk to him, he says he never raised his weapon once. Ultimately, though, he ends up in the hospital unconscious because um, a police officer snuck up behind him and dropped a flower pot on his head. Uh, Excuse me, knocking him out. A flower pot. Yeah. So he's brought to the hospital and he's actually placed under arrest while he's being treated for like the head injury. So... Now, this is really messed up, and I know a lot of this is just the time period. They didn't have as strict laws and that kind of stuff. But So he's, like, fingerprinted while he's unconscious. And as he's, like, coming in and out of consciousness, they're trying to, like, question him and get him to admit to, like, different murders. So I guess the police say the main reason that they fingerprinted him was because they had suspected that he had murdered um, a woman named Suzanne Degnan. She was killed in January of 1946. So, oh, I'm so sorry. She wasn't a woman. She was a kid. Uh, She was only six years old. So she's discovered missing from her bedroom. And police actually found a ladder right outside her window. And then there's like a ransom note. And this is how whoever kidnapped and killed her got the name the lipstick killer because it was written in what looked like lipstick. Oh, okay. Okay. So this is the point where I kind of feel like the police were like, oh, a six-year-old got killed. We need to arrest someone because they don't actually have any kind of like proof. They're just like, yeah, we'll take his fingerprints. And oh yeah, sure. They match close enough, which I didn't really know what their system was. Yeah, I feel like this escalated so fast. Like, you were like, he was burglarizing, and now he's a serial killer. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, how did we get uh, here? The whole story is so messed up. So, the police ended up finding the poor little girl's head in a sewer that was, like, only a block from her house, right? Just the head? like, fine. What? Just the head? Well, just ahead of the sewer, but then they gradually start finding like other parts of her body. So very gruesome kill. For sure. Yeah. And now keep in mind that at this point, our friend Bill is only 17 years old. You have to have a pretty hard stomach to go from burglary to like literally decapitating a child. Like that's 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 a really extensive jump. I agree. Also like there were witnesses that said that they saw a man that appeared to be in his 40s with like darker skin that had been in the area of this poor little girl's house and obviously you know bill is not in his 40s and he has light skin so like i don't really know (laughs) how that happened but so because of this 
so I read an article in that was written um, in GQ. Adam Hingenbotham was the author. So he basically says that Bill is in the hospital on suspicion of Suzanne's murder. The police raided his parents' house, his room at school, in a locker at the train station, and they discovered basically all of the stuff that he had stolen from previous burglaries. So at this point, Bill is still in the hospital. He's like almost comatose at this point. Like he has severe like damage from the whole flower pot on the head thing. And they're still trying to question him without an attorney present, not reading his rights, nothing. So, okay, fine. So on the third day, of Bill being hospitalized, he's now started to come to a little bit and he's heard that his prints had been matched to the ransom note and that the state's attorney had said that they were, that they had made an arrest in Suzanne's murder and that he was the person. So now it's just this like crazy news story. The press are all over it. Um, you know, that's when the lipstick killer thing comes out and everyone is just all over him. And he's like, hi, I'm 17. What's going on? Well, and he has no lawyer. He has, like, no way to defend mm-hmm. himself. He clearly was mm-hmm. basically in a coma while they, like, cooked up all this evidence or whatever against mm-hmm. him. Like, there's no winning in this situation for this poor kid right now. Even if he was yeah. guilty, it's still not being done the right way. Right. Oh, it gets so much worse. Just hold on to your pants, okay? Because it's crazy. So... Sorry, so not only are they questioning him like when he's got like fucking brain injury and with no lawyer. Um, so they also gave him, which I guess is ultimately considered like truth serum. I don't really know how any of that works, but um, they gave him that. And then are you even ready for this? <sighs> this like makes my skin crawl. So the police were so desperate to solve this murder along with two other murders, which I'll give you their information in a second, that there, and again, this is like, meh, how much of it is true, we don't really know, but it has said that police went so far as to have Bill given a lumbar puncture, which in case you don't know, is a spinal tap without anesthesia, as like a way to torture him, I don't really know. And then, so he has this at the hospital, right? And then they immediately take him to the police station to do like a polygraph test. And shockingly, he's in too much pain to, you know, function. Um, so they couldn't do the test. But I'm, I just, I have so many questions. So many questions. Well, and obviously it was a form of torture. You would have done it while he was still in like his coma mode and not when he was alert and back to being conscious. Like right. you had so many opportunity to like, do this and you're like let's wait until he's like completely basically feeling back to normal and then ruin his life again but how did this conversation go with the doctor like hey doc could you do us a solid and just you know do a spinal tap on this guy zero anesthesia though and then we're gonna go ahead and take him what no one i like no one questions any of this i don't also feel like in the 1920s though you have to remember times were so different i feel like a lot of people still got bought off then I feel yeah. like yeah. there was a lot of still like bribery or like just like don't ask questions because mm-hmm. uh, you know of who these people are or okay. whatever. So maybe that's what it is. I mean, it's still not okay in the slightest, but I'm just saying like in my mind, I always try and think of like what time frame we're in because those types of things are so different then than they are now. Right. Right. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely a good way to think about it. Um, so while he, you know, is under arrest for the suspicion of that poor little six-year-old Suzanne, um, the police actually decide that there you want to pin two other murders on him. So Josephine Ross, uh, who's a 43-year-old who was found dead in her apartment, she had been repeatedly stabbed and her head was like, like at her throat. I don't know if this was to like suffocate her or whatever, but there was just like a dress or a piece of fabric wrapped around her head. Um, and so she had hair or someone else's hair actually like in her hands. But um, this was the same kind of thing. There was a dark or darker complexioned man that had been seen in the area. So same thing as um, Suzanne. And also there's nothing taken out of the apartment, no valuables, which like we know that's Bill's thing. So then uh, the next murder is Francis Brown. So this happens on December 10th in 1945. And, oh, hold on, I'm so sorry. I've lost my screen here. And if I could figure out how to work this. Stand by, I'm terrible with technology. You can even ask Stephanie. It's actually really embarrassing, even though I love her because I'm like- I know, it's we, so bad. And it literally the thing is, just took me. We started taking typing classes and technology classes together in the fifth grade. So it's not like we yeah. were past the age of like original technology. I can type. I okay, just but- can't do anything else. <laughs> She's like, Stephanie, my computer won't start. I'm like, turn it off and turn it on like everyone else in America, Ariel. Let's go. Put yourself together. And she's like, oh. <laughs> But we love her anyway, so we can't get mad. We've just accepted that she's good at other yeah, things you know. and technology is not one of them. That's it. Exactly. Speaking of technology, I don't know if everything that you just said came out clearly or not because it sounded kind of garbled on my end. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. So sorry, guys, if she sounded all kooky, she's just making fun of me because I can't do the technology. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we're up to three murders that the police are trying to pin on him. Which is just so aggressive. This has escalated so fast. Like, my mind is still on him burglarizing people and being an amazing student. And now he's, like, pinned down for 28 murders. And I just don't understand where how we got here so fast. I know it's three, but I'm just saying. You don't have to be dramatic. It's not 28, but okay. (laughs) You know I have to be dramatic or it wouldn't be me, so. Accurate. Um, And so at the Francis Brown, um, the reason that they thought it was definitely the same killers because there was another message written in lipstick. It wasn't a ransom note, but it was like another message. And it says, uh, quote, for heaven's sake, catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself, end quote. Now, again, I'm going to bring up the fact that there were several witnesses to not the crimes themselves, but like at the time of the crimes and in the area to have seen a man that was in his probably 40s. Now, Bill is still 17. Uh, He has darker skin. Bill was very light skin. But like you said, police were just so desperate to get these crimes solved um, that essentially they needed a scapegoat. And this young kid that everyone knew to be like a thief seemed like the perfect one, I guess. I don't know. But my problem here is that there is now more than one person who has described the same killer. And this kid is literally not even close to that. And they're like, 
That's it, guys. I've, like, who's buying this? This is what I need to know. Who's buying this information? Like, there's seven people that are like, oh, it was a tall, older man with darker skin and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, so it's obviously the 17-year-old teenager, guys, who's been in a coma for three months. Like, what? I just... And everyone's like, yeah, you got to be right, guys. Sounds legit. I just don't understand. Well, it gets even better, okay? Because someone actually confessed this to these crimes, okay? Someone, someone else. So, Richard... Yes. Oh, Lord. Okay. So, Richard Russell Thomas, uh, he was originally from Phoenix, Arizona. <clears throat> Phoenix, Arizona. Um, but he, I'm sorry, he was originally from Chicago, but moved to Phoenix, Arizona. So, at the time of the Chicago investigation, though, he was imprisoned for molesting one of his own daughters. But... He was in Chicago of all of these murders and and his apartment um, basically looked at the, um, uh, oh my gosh, what, what I can't think like of the Like the window or oh, yard or? Ransom. <laughs> Sorry. Looked at the ransom notes, the writing on the ransom note and then like the creepy note that was written on the wall for the third victim and said that there were, quote, great similarities between Thomas's handwriting and that of the ransom note. And then also um, wanted it noted that many of the phrases that Thomas's, Thomas had used in a similar note for another crime, as well as his medical training, um, you know, that way he could cut people's heads off and such. It, it made the most sense that he was the killer here. And then, like I said, he was like, yes, it was me. The police said, we don't believe you. It makes too much sense. We're going to stick with the 17 year old. It makes too much sense, really, just as the killer right there. I'm sorry. Everything matches here. All the evidence and your confession. However, we're going to pretend that you didn't do any of these things. Mm-hmm. Which also blows my mind because it's not like they had to fight for a confession. They were like, we're going to stick with the kid we already have. It's like he literally said, like, here's everything on a platter. And they're like, meh, no thanks. What? Yes. So essentially the only thing that kind of changed is he does go back on his confession. He recants um and so at that point i think police were like well we're still just gonna stick with the 17 year old Uh, i don't know it's all very messed up so i think essentially the police were like listen we gotta get this kid we need to solve these murders or quote you know air quotes solve these murders because obviously they don't give a flying fuck about solving them um so now like i said earlier Bill died in 2012, okay? But until then, he was the longest incarcerated person in U.S. history. He was in prison for more than 65 years. So eventually, and I'm assuming it's because of the torture and such, he did ultimately confess to all three murders and all of the bajillions of burglaries. But he's quoted a number of times, including in an autobiography, um, which I had a hard time finding, but there's another book written on him. But in the autobiography, he does say that he's innocent. I mean, he sounds so, 150% innocent. Yes, I mean, not for yes, the burglaries, but for like the actual like murder and crimes, he sounds 100%. Yeah, like he was very open. Like, yes, I did all the stealing because that's just who he is as a person and that's fine. But again, it's not even like there were similarities between him and the actual murder. Like, 
he was in his 40s and this poor kid is 17 years old. And so basically he spent his whole life in prison. And so there's actually a movie that um, came out in 1956 all about this exact story. It's called While the City Sleeps. Guys, I tried so fucking hard to watch this thing, but it had terrible acting and it was in black and white. And I was like 10 minutes in and just could not handle a second more. So I don't know, like if you like black and white movies and you like terrible acting, like totally look it up. It's on Amazon while the city sleeps, like have at it. Uh, But I couldn't do it. That is absolutely wild. It really is. Now, did anyone ever try and interview him? Like, it, like yes. towards the end of his life of 700 years in prison? Like, were there any interviews yes. on him? Because I know you always look for those. <laughs> yes, I do. They're my fave. Yes. So good old YouTube. Um, they have a couple interviews. There's a ton of stories about him. And then, like I said, he did write an autobiography. Had a hard time. Um, there's a lot of different things as far as the autobiography is concerned. So I didn't get that much information, but I'm sure it's out there. So, yeah, I mean, that's our friend William Herons, a.k.a. the Lipstick Killer, because unfortunately he died being known as a Lipstick Killer. But I think we can all comfortably say probs, not him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like 10 out of 10, don't think this guy's guilty. <laughs> yeah. Especially because so, I mean, you ha- it's not like they were like, oh, we couldn't find anyone, and so we really need to pin on you, and you were already being a burglar. It's like someone literally was like, here's all the proof you need, including my handwriting. This is how I wrote the ransom note. This is how I dismembered the bodies. It was definitely me, and they're like, it definitely isn't, and it's so rude of you to take credit. Like, what? <laughs> what's happening? I don't <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Maybe don't be so selfish and take credit for your own murders, okay? That's really ridiculous. It's just rude, okay? Just rude. I feel so bad for this poor kid, especially because he sounds like he was so bright. Like, he, like if he could have gotten out of the money issue... so much. He could have done so much with his life. Like, see, money is the root of all evil for this kid specifically because it totally mm-hmm. ruined his life. Yeah, it really, really did. Aww. It's sad. It is, that so, is I mean, this sad. This is definitely a little different than yeah, our Thanks for being a stories, Debbie Downer. <laughs> I know it's totally. I mean, like the other serial killers aren't, though. True, but usually they <laughs> so deserve like, that. I hate this. This is awful. But it's usually like, they the deserve their normally fun. Usually they deserve their prison time. So at least I don't <laughs> feel as bad in the end. This guy clearly right. was 100 percent innocent and basically lost his entire life at 17 when all he did yeah. was like steal dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little more than that, but okay. Thank God that's <laughs> all of this. I'm obviously like the mob in me is like sport job. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that was really interesting though. I do like when we do cover serial killers like this or non-serial killers, whatever, just because it does. There's so many that are just have the same story: shitty upbringing, you know, uh, killing people, um, you know, like found a partner. Like, there's just so many like similarities or like common serial killer stories. So as sad as this right. one is, it is interesting because it's something completely different than what we usually talk about yeah definitely that's why i like this one so yeah let us know what you guys think if you like kind of switched up a little bit here yeah for sure and again thank you for your never-ending patience and support for us um and we appreciate it and 
Um, this is our September episode, and so our next episode will air in probably early October. Right? Yeah. Are we doing, we're like we're aiming for beginning of the month. Um, we're hoping to be able to get back to doing like maybe two episodes a month, but we just know realistically we both have a lot going on. So one a month is at least something we know we can both manage. And now that like I'm settled for my move and stuff like that, like we have like kind of a better system and handle to at least get you guys one episode a month. So thank you again for being so patient and for supporting yeah, thanks us. Thanks for sticking by us, guys. We really, really just so appreciate you all. Yes, and we promise. Like I, I know we've said this before. We really should not make promises because I feel like every time we stop making promises okay (laughs) every time we make the promise we obviously don't do it but um our okay I should say our goal is to um definitely get an episode out a month and to also start using our social media more obviously we know um that there's a lot of cool especially like pictures or stories or links that um you guys probably would like to check out without having to also find on your own since we told you about them um (laughs) so we are definitely going to work on being better about sharing those with you um and again we just really appreciate all of your love and support so you know what's the worst part about us though is i put all of the links on the bottom of my scripts like they're there with a description of what it is like literally all i have to do is copy and paste it and i like can't even handle that but she's bad with technology like i told you guys and that is part of it and like i put pictures of the serial killers usually in the scripts as well so the fact that we (laughs) pre-put all the things we would want to put on social media and then just leave them there really just proves how much of a mess you are but seriously yeah we like I said we we are super thankful we really appreciate it um you know we see you guys still like engaging and downloading all of our episodes um and while we aren't making any promises we can't keep um we are working uh to bring you um new content and just more overall consistency in in our podcast so um thanks again I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode on the lipstick killer and we will chat next time have a good month Bye, everyone.